Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Hello and welcome to Talent Talks with Robert Walters. I'm Andy McLean, a journalist and podcaster based in Sydney, Australia. And along with an international team from Robert Walters, I've been researching and writing a new guide to hybrid working, which involves a mix of office and on-site working. Now, in this podcast mini-series, we're asking experts to reveal hybrid working strategies to help employers, hiring managers and their employees. In today's episode, we hear from Rahini Ram, Head of People Advisory Services at EY New Zealand. Rahini works with clients to unlock the potential of their people, tackling issues such as talent management, HR transformation and workforce planning. In this discussion, we explore the hopes and fears of employers as they confront the new world of work. Along the way, we debunk a few myths and share some practical and proven ways to make hybrid working more effective. Rahini, thanks for joining us today. Uh, very interested. I know that EY has done quite a lot of research with not just employers, but also employees in New Zealand about their, their preferences for working as we move uh, you know, beyond the initial stages of the pandemic. I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about what that means for both employers and employees. Uh, and also, I'm very interested to know how employers ensure that their workforce remains productive. Thanks, Andy. And, and that's correct. UI research has indicated that 56% of New Zealanders who worked from home feel they're more productive while they're working from home. So when we consider hybrid working, we should consider hybrid working from both employees perspective and employers perspective. And there are several conflicting priorities impacting decision making for organizations. Um, and let's look at employees first, and we've done some research around some of these factors. On one hand of the spectrum, we have employees who would like to work five days a week from home. They say that work is where Wi-Fi is, they want full flexibility, uh, and they want to make the decision in terms of how they spend the day. And then on the other hand of the spectrum, we've got employees who'd like to spend five days um, of the working time in the office and um, they don't want to work from home. And this is based on uh, a number of factors and, and it's based on the employee's age. It, it is based on the family situation. It's also based around uh, how far they live from the office, um, also around their purpose and their living situation. Then we've got the third group of people. And the third group of people are the ones who are looking for flexibility. They, they embrace hybrid ways of working and they want to be in the office only for a purpose. What is the reason why they want to go into the office? They mostly want to spend most of the time at home, but when they go into the office, they want it to be more socially interactive. They go in for a purpose and that purpose could be um, for learning and development. It could be a use for a innovation hub or interact with the leaders. So in talking to this group of individuals, we believe they feel 
that there's less disturbance at home. And, um, you know, they can be more productive. They can do a lot more work. And the two hours of traveling that they would have ordinarily done, they can use their time to do other things, upskill themselves, spend more time with their family, or even cooking or any of those things. And they're more engaged when you think about it. Um, let's think about it from employer's perspective. When you're an employer, you've got customers to consider. You've got new relationships to build. And historically, most of those things have happened face to face. Um, they also are concerned about productivity. How does this impact productivity? Will it have a positive or negative impact to the culture of the organization? Um, they also want to know whether they have embedded the right technology, processes and systems in place to make this effective. And how can they maintain security in workplace? So there are a number of factors that employers are thinking about around coaching managers and leaders, delegation, how do you support new joiners and their well-being. The other one is around if you have full flexibility to employees. Now there are regulatory requirements as well. And if we've got people traveling to Australia or the Cook Islands, there are legal um, impacts plus also employment law type of impacts that employees should be aware of. So in the absence of a robust system, policies and framework, this can be really, really difficult for employers to make it happen. So my advice to employers is to take some time out and do it properly. Design it well, work together with your employees, listen to your employees. One size does not fit all. You cannot um, embed someone else's policy around hybrid working. When, when dealing with this, when you're designing it, have a project running, have the right team on that project and have some leaders, have a diverse group of people, have people from various offices, people from different backgrounds, different skill sets in order to frame this out and have a strategy, have a plan and design it well and implement it. Doing nothing in this space is not the solution. No, and it's interesting you say that because obviously in, in, in the Robert Walters universe, we're very focused on, on recruitment and retention of workforce, right? And there will be some employers that follow the sorts of advice that you've just given there, and they will stand out from others who don't evolve. And, uh, you know, so if you think about it from an employer value proposition, if you're out in the marketplace and you're able to say to top talent, look, we've gone through this process of collaboration with our people. We have a flexible setup so that we can optimize our working arrangements to suit your individual role. That's quite a powerful message, isn't it? Yeah, definitely it is. And I've seen that firsthand as well, where employees or potential candidates are looking for that type of flexibility at work. And if they're going to choose once upon a time, they used to choose maybe salary or car park, or some of those factors in terms of benefits in order to make the decision which employer they're going to choose. Whereas now there's a lot of discussion around flexibility. Where would they be working from and how many days can they be spending working from home? And what does that flexibility really mean? Is it a eight to five role? Or is it they've got the flexibility to uh, put their kids to bed and then start again at seven o'clock at night? So how far does that flexibility go as well? So I feel employees are asking 
that question a lot more now than before. Yeah, and one of the other conversations that Robert Walters uh, quite often has is around retention. How do you keep hold of the of the top talent in your organization? Uh, and two things kind of keep coming up during this kind of hybrid working uh, conversation. One is culture and the other is innovation. So there's a, a traditional sense that culture is something that can only be fostered when everybody's in the room and everyone's in, in the building. Uh, and then innovation uh, really while it's important for organizations to have innovation, it's also important for employees to feel like they can innovate, that they can experiment and that they can develop themselves professionally, you know, upskill and all those sorts of things. So the freedom to innovate is really important to maintain with a hybrid working environment. So I just wondered, have you got any reflections on how organizations can still foster a strong culture when they've got a remote workforce or a partially remote workforce and indeed how they can nurture innovation. Yeah, exactly. And as you said, you know, culture, what is culture? And traditionally we've seen people would pick up culture when they see other people within the organization. But culture is uh, really a mix of your organization's values, leadership, how you work together with people, your beliefs, your, um, your behaviors within the organization. I think um, it is, and that really helps us to attract talent and retain people as well. But I think this is a really good opportunity for us to relook really at the culture of the organization. Uh, can we look at it in a positive way and and relook at and reshape it? And what does that look like with a hybrid way of working? And 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 innovate and come up with some ideas. Should our people be um, working differently and try and contribute uh, some of their innovative ideas differently instead of face-to-face -face in a room when you go to a water cooler and have that discussion around, oh, I had this idea last night about X, Y, and Z. Have a forum, have a platform where employees can contribute, where they've got a voice and, and think tank type of uh, environment for your employees, even if they they're working from home, they are still part and partial of your team. They're still part of the culture. But you need to think about in leaders, that's where the challenge is, is that um, is it the traditional culture that you had or the culture you traditionally you had? Is it the same culture? Or should we reset the culture? And it may be a positive one in terms of your employees contributing towards it. And I think it would be something that will go down really well. Uh, that's a great point. It, it, it's actually, uh, in a way, some of these things were left up to serendipity and chance before, to some extent, you know, because there was an assumption we were all together in the building. So we'd, these, these ideas would, would sort of organically happen. But I, I suppose what you're saying is, is that organisations and employers need to find ways to provide the platforms and to kind of create those moments of serendipity, even if people aren't in the same place at the same time. Yeah, and you don't have to be in the same place at the same time. We've seen last year we had lockdowns and people were away for five weeks or so, and we made it happen. And when we did make it happen, it was more around just focus around um, technology. That was the thing that we connected. But when you're thinking about hybrid working, it's more than technology. Technology is just one thing, but technology will not make our culture of hybrid working 
um, you know, impact in a positive way. There are other things around the way we work, the way we interact, the way we share ideas, how we innovate our people, coach and mentor. And the leaders have got really good opportunity to change some of those things and the mindset of our people and be more inclusive. Let's just talk a little bit about, uh, I suppose, talent acquisition. Uh, so in the past 18 months, you know, Robert Walters has been guiding employers on, on remotely recruiting and onboarding people uh, a great deal. Uh, have you seen any examples out there of organisations who've really excelled when it's come to remote recruitment and, and remote onboarding? Yeah, I think still work in progress. Um... I cannot be specific on this, but I think it is uh, still work in pro progress. As technology is improving, um, I think a lot of organizations, they are focusing on, on remote recruitment, um, even though we can have face-to-face, -face, but I think we need to be really mindful of if whatever technology we are working uh, with, it, it works, it is clear, the sound system works, all of those things, extremely important. And you create an inclusive environment where the candidate really feels they can contribute, they can be themselves. So I think there's a lot around the interviewing skills as well, the soft skills of the interviewer as well, in order to make that person welcomed and make that person contribute so that you can see the true candidate. Um, so I think some of the things that we have seen in the past in terms of face-to-face -face interviews definitely works in a virtual environment as well. So, um, you know, there's no rocket science around it, but I've seen a lot of people do that. I know I've done this in this environment myself in terms of remote working. We have recruited um, probably over the last 15 months, I have recruited about 30 people and all mostly through remote um, recruitment. And it has really, really worked. But I think it is extremely important where the, re the recruiter needs to have those personal skills, scenario testing, and try and involve the uh, person a lot um, in terms of the um, discussion. Around remote onboarding, I think there are tools that really helps, um, as well as you need to be mindful, you can't have an eight hour session or seven hour session. You need to break some of those sessions up in terms of three hours or four hours, give people breaks and for them to go away. They're also around murals. You could make it interactive, get people to contribute towards um, on interactive sessions on, on tools and, and murals so that they, they've got a voice around that, but also, around social interaction as well. You can have drinks, you can have, have quiz parties and, and all of those things. And there are a number of different apps that will make it, uh, make it happen. So I think in terms of onboarding as well, you can make it attractive, but you can't do everything in one day or two days. It has to be spread over a week or a few days so that you break it up. How about when you're sort of embarking on the, the, the selection process for, for, for candidates? you, uh, let's say it's a role that will involve a fair amount of remote working. Are there any particular skills or qualities that interviewers should be looking for when they've got somebody who might not be working in the office very much? Is there, and I suppose the second question today is how does an employer or a, a, a hiring manager identify those qualities and skills? Yeah, and um, 
I do talk about when I'm talking about productivity and purpose um, at other sessions, I do talk about non-functional skill sets as well within an organization. So you do focus quite a lot around the skill sets that technical skill set that will help them to deliver on a role. But what are some of the non-functional type of skill set, the soft skills that we used to talk about? And what are those? And the skills that will be extremely valuable in future. So we are we are talking about design thinking, critical thinking type of thing. And as someone who listens, good communication skills, the ability to make decisions, ability to work in a diverse um, situation with groups of people, all of those things extremely important in recruiting the right person and, and teaming and collaboration and be able to work uh, with various different types of people. So I think those skills are very, very important. It's not just the technical skills. Historically, we've looked at people, if we're looking to hire a lawyer, for example, or an accountant, we look at their, um, their CV or we look at the academic record and say, yeah, that's really good. But I think the, the non-functional functional type of um, non-technical skills, extremely important uh, in terms of making that happen. And how do you test that out? I think scenario testing and asking some scenario-based type of questions and also the experience in that and probing them in that area. I think that would be really, really good. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think there's been a, a general discourse in the last few years around the the soft skills, if you like, uh, the, the, the management skills, the people skills that people have beyond their technical skill sets and, and, and how important that is. It's very interesting that we've entered this kind of, for many organizations, they've just entered this hybrid working world and it's actually just elevated the need for, for, for the sorts of skills that you've just described. So uh, that, that's very interesting. Um, I might just turn the conversation a little bit to the employer value proposition. Uh, what is it do you think that um, employers uh, should do to, I suppose, turn hybrid working to their advantage when they are seeking to hire new talent? I think it's a real opportunity for employers. Um, they have to do it right, right? And, and structure it well. You can't just have technology and say, I've got hybrid working and I'm going to offer it to my employees and potential future employees. I think you need to go through and set it up properly, have proper processes and um, tools and, and get the buy-in of your employees as well. So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing we've seen is that um, with the talent shortage in New Zealand and um, with the border closure as well, it's so difficult to attract talent. How do you then you know, work with your talent that you've got and embrace them and, and, and make sure that you know, you've got flexibility and hybrid working and, and that will really attract uh, talent to the organization. So I think that is extremely important in terms of that hybrid working and that will help you to attract talent, but also retain talent as well. And, and, and look at also how you reward your employees. Um, you know, once upon a time, employers would provide a um, car park and um, for people working in CBD, whereas now employees don't value that. They'd want um, employers to provide them with 
gym membership or with wellness or well-being type of courses and things that they could participate in. So I think employers need to start thinking about what are some of the things that would help them to recruit, but they can take hybrid working together with reward and remuneration and benefits to their advantage. Interesting too, isn't it, that, uh, you know, if I think about EY and, and Robert Walters, they're both multinational organizations and so there's a there's a network of talent that, that that is accessible to both of those organizations uh and so if we think about the fact that organizations are increasingly equipped to enable uh and maximize the value of remote working uh certainly there is potentially the possibility of tapping into some of that international talent without actually having to bring them uh on shore yeah, and I did uh, talk a little bit about this the other day at another session around um, you know, having overseas employees work for you remotely. You know, there are challenges around um, legal requirements and tax requirements, but if it's structured well, it can work really, really well. So if I look at EY as an example, when you look at how many people we've got just across Oceania, and if we've got spare talent and sitting in Brisbane, for example, we should be able to utilize that resource over here in New Zealand on a project. And, um, and that flexibility that will allow our customers, uh, sorry, our yeah, customers to have a longer period of working time. You know, when you think about our day will start in New Zealand at eight o'clock, it will continue up to seven or eight o'clock at night. And if we use, for example, India or some other Philippines or any Asian countries, it is like a 24 hour working. So I think it is of benefit. We need to start thinking differently. And this is the, this is the challenge for employers. The same old, same old may be a negative thing. It's a real opportunity to start thinking about how we can be working smartly, differently with different ideas across the board in terms of talent uh, acquisition, but also using talent from our sister companies or other organizations. Yeah, and that's definitely, I mean, I echo that from a Robert Walters perspective, you know, the, the fact that Robert Walters has access to talent all over the world uh, means that if you've got a skill shortage in one locality or if there's a seasonal issue, you know, perhaps it's end of financial year in one part of the world, it might not be elsewhere. So there is the opportunity just to sort of tap into talent um, worldwide. And, and it goes back to your point earlier on, doesn't it, around, around flexibility and just sort of reimagining the way that you work. Yeah, exactly. I've got a number of projects that I'm working with people from India, from Australia, from the UK, from um, Singapore. So you can think of different time zones and they're not in the same room, but it does work and it provides the benefits to our customers and the outcomes we're looking for. Yes, it's quite exciting really. You know, what we're seeing here is a real opening up of, of the possibilities of the way we work and the way we think about work. Uh, I just wonder, Rahini, as we sort of uh, draw the conversation to a close, do you have any sort of sort of parting advice or reflections around hybrid working for employers or hiring managers? Yeah, I think uh, I always um, see hybrid working as an opportunity. And I think it's a really good way of maximizing resource when we are in a talent shortage area. I think it's a really good opportunity for managers and leaders to think differently 
to lead differently, to put some structures in place. And, and definitely our, our workers will work smartly as well. And the return on investment in terms of productivity um, and, and employee engagement will really, really pay off. So I think from all of those perspectives, I think it is extremely important that we do think differently and, and start changing a few of our um, traditional processes and systems. Well, it's going to be a fascinating to see uh, what happens in the next few years. And I, I, I know for sure that EOI will be at the vanguard of that. So, so Rahini, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really insightful. Thanks. Thanks, Andy, for your time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talent Talks with Robert Walters. To read about some of the issues we've discussed and more, Download our new guide, The Symptoms of Dysfunction in Hybrid Working, Obstacles and Solutions, from the Robert Walters website. There, you'll also find our Leadership Insights series, which includes other webinars, research and advice to support organisations and their leadership teams through this current climate. And lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you check out our other episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please feel free to subscribe, rate and review. Thanks again for listening and goodbye for now.